You're listening to the Witch in the Woods podcast, Season 1, Episode 3, Curiosity Killed the Cat. Hi! Hey, I have Barnaby's sandwich. Did you bring the tuna? Yeah, but I think my mom is suspicious. She knows I hate tuna. What did you tell her? I said it was for you. Olivia, I'm vegetarian. Does that mean you don't eat fish? Are fish a vegetable? Is that a trick question? You should have said it was for Boz. He'll eat anything. Are y'all talking about me? Ari was. They said you'd eat anything. (laughs) Come on, I won't eat anything. Boz, I once saw you eat a grasshopper, a worm, and a spoonful of dirt at recess. Yeah, but that was on a dare. Whatever. Has anyone heard from Naomi? She's usually the first one here. I can try to text her, but I don't think I'll really get signal out here. Well, the path won't open up without her, so I guess we'll have to wait. Oh man, she better show. I told Noah I'd have another scary story for him tonight. Is he liking the stories now? I thought he was so scared he had to sleep in your mom's bed. Yeah, well, I thought about what Barnaby said. Noah takes a lot of martial art classes, so I'm not trying to have him mad at me. Last time I told him the stories, I let him stay in my room, and we played video games all night. It was actually kind of fun. Ooh, I'm gonna tell Noah you said that. You better not. Hey, sorry I'm late. It's okay. We better start walking. I don't want to be in the woods when it gets dark. Whoa. Even though I knew that would happen, it's still so cool. Crazy to her house! I'm gonna laugh when one of them trips over a root and falls flat on their face. Oh yeah, that's definitely gonna happen. Everything okay? Yeah, why? You just look a little stressed. Oh, yeah. I just got in a fight with Dave. He's such a jerk. Aw, what do you do now? I made cookies for Rosa, you know, since we're bringing snacks for Barnaby and Grimalkin. And he went and ate them all. Two dozen cookies. Jeez, how do you even do that? I don't know. He just did it to make me mad. And then I couldn't even tell on him because I can't exactly tell my mom that I made cookies for an old lady we've been visiting in the woods. Yeah, I don't think she'd be okay with that. Definitely not. Big brothers are the worst. At least you have a brother. I think I'd like that better than having a little sister. Well, you can have him. I'd happily take Kelsey off your hands. You say that, but wait until she breaks into your room and wears all of your clothes and wrecks your makeup and- Naomi, Olivia, hurry up! We're coming! We'd better hurry. If Boz gets there first, he'll probably do something to make Rosa mad, and she might not let us in. Children, come in. We were just making some tea. Would you like some? What kind of tea? Oh, it has lots of things in it. Lizard tongues, mouse tails. Gross! She's teasing you. It's green tea. Yeah, it's the lizard tongues that really bring out that nice green color. No, thank you. I mean, it's it's just that I'm not allowed to have green tea. Not allowed. Really? My mom is real particular about what I eat. Yeah, she only lets me eat grasshoppers. That was one time! Children, children, don't you know that it's rude to refuse an offering from your host? 
We would love some tea, Rosa. Thank you. Oh, gosh, yum. It's just so good. Don't drink it. It tastes like burnt hair. Now then, if I had known you were coming, I would have made more snacks. But I only have enough food for myself. Oh, gosh, uh, that's okay. I actually made you some. Whoa, is that all for you? Are you commenting on the size of my snack? That's just a snack? Would you like to become part of it? I could use more meat on my sandwiches. Oh, uh, no thank you. I, I mean, never mind. That's what I thought. There's got to be more than ten sandwiches over there. And a dozen bowls of soup. Whoa, she's eating so fast. She's so skinny. Where does she put it all? Does anyone else hear metal, like, clanging together? Yeah, but what could it be? Maybe she's a robot. If she can eat this much as a snack, what does she eat for her meals? <laughs> ah, now then, how is the tea? Oh, uh, we haven't... I mean, we were, um... Oh gosh, we uh totally forgot to give Barnaby and Grimalkin their snacks. What'd you bring me? What'd you bring me? We brought you some tuna and a sandwich for you, Barnaby. Ooh, I haven't had canned tuna in years. Do you like it? It's okay. It used to taste a lot more like dolphins. Dolphins? Yes, dolphins have such a lovely mammaly flavor. Reminds me of humans. What? Don't worry, young Boz. She's just teasing you. I know for a fact that cockroaches are Grimalkin's definition of a delicacy. Wait, wait, wait. I'm confused about the dolphins. Dolphins sometimes get caught up in the nets when they're fishing for tuna. My mom said that people protested about it, and now it doesn't happen as much. But wait, that was like 30 years ago. Grimalkin, how old are you? It isn't polite to ask a lady her age. She's 438. 438? That's not possible. Why? Because I look so good? No. I mean, you do, but cats just don't live that long. Not usually, but when my mamichka takes a liking to one of us, we tend to live a bit longer. How old are you, Barnaby? I'm 456. I've been with mamichka since I was three. Wow, that's amazing. Can you come help me with my next history test? I bet you know everything. I will not help you cheat. I will bring me. Children. Are you here for more stories? Yes, please. Barnaby, do you have a story for them? Of course. Have you heard the tale of the girl with the black ribbon necklace? No. Sounds kind of lame. <laughs> well, we'll see if you think it's lame after I tell it. A young man named Danny was walking through a park one beautiful spring day when he saw the most gorgeous woman he had ever seen walking toward him. He gathered his courage and approached her, staring into her bright green eyes as he said, Excuse me, ma'am. I mean, miss. I mean, well, excuse me. I, I, uh, I saw you and I, uh... Yes? I just, well, I know you don't know me, but... Would you like to have coffee sometime? 
To Danny's great relief, she agreed to have coffee with him, and soon they were inseparable. In just a few short weeks, Danny knew he had fallen head over heels for her and that he couldn't live without her. He decided to ask her to marry him and set up a beautiful proposal in the park where they had met. When they entered the park on a walk that evening, they traveled from vendor to vendor to gather flowers, balloons, and sweets. At the last vendor, Danny picked up a small black box and got down on one knee. Camille, I know it may seem fast, but I feel like my life truly started when I met you. I can't remember what it was like to live without you, and I never want to find out what it was like again. It would make me the happiest man in the world if you would agree to spend your life with me. Will you marry me? Camille smiled broadly and reached for Danny and the ring, but then hesitated and brought her hand to her throat, running her fingers over the black velvet ribbon she wore as a necklace. Danny, I feel the same way, and I would love to marry you, but I have one condition. Anything, my love. What is it? You must never remove this ribbon from my neck. Of course. It would never even occur to me. The couple embraced, excited for what the future held. Danny had committed to never removing the ribbon easily because it seemed such a small request that he didn't think how strange it was. Over the next few weeks, however, the idea of the ribbon was never far from his mind. While he had certainly noticed that Camille wore the ribbon, he hadn't noticed how often she wore it until she made her request. She wore it every day. When she showered, when she slept, when she swam with him in the ocean on a trip to the beach. She never took it off. And now that Danny knew he couldn't remove it either, he wanted nothing more than to see her without it. My love, can I ask you a question? Of course. Why can't I remove the ribbon from your neck? I can't tell you why. Only that you'll be sorry if you do. Her answer did nothing to quell Danny's fixation on the black velvet ribbon. Whenever he looked at her, that's all he could see. He saw the ribbon everywhere and dreamed of it at night. He continued to ask her, Why can't I remove the ribbon? But she always said, I can't tell you why, only that you'll be sorry if you do. Soon it was their wedding day. They had a beautiful ceremony surrounded by family and friends, and Camille was glowing with happiness. Danny tried to ignore the black ribbon, to put the whole thing out of his mind, but he found himself staring at it. During the ceremony, as they cut the cake, during their first dance, the glaring black ribbon paired with her crisp white bridal gown seemed to mock him, casting a dark mark on their beautiful day. He tried so hard to ignore it, but it always seemed to be in the corner of his vision, reminding him that his bride had a secret that she would never share with him. That night, as she lay sleeping beside him, Danny couldn't stand it any longer. He reached over to her slender white neck and grabbed the bow of the black velvet ribbon. He quickly tugged on the end, causing the bow to unravel and the ribbon to slip from Camille's neck. As the ribbon came free, so did her head. 
Her head rolled from her shoulders down the bed and onto the floor. Horrified, Danny leapt from the bed, his mouth open in shock. Camille's large green eyes looked up at him from her disembodied head as one single tear slid down her cheek. I told you you'd be sorry. Okay, that definitely was not lame. Why would he take her necklace off if she asked him not to? He couldn't stop thinking about it. Wouldn't you want to know? If one of you asked me not to do something as a friend, I wouldn't do it. Okay, I'm asking you to never eat ice cream again. Buzz, that's not what I meant. I think you're underestimating your own curiosity. You would know. Curiosity killed the cat. Isn't that what they say? Actually, the phrase is care killed the cat. What's the difference? It spoke instead of a cat's worry and care over others. Though a cat has nine lives, care will wear them all out. Yes, but Mamichka, wasn't it early playwrights that coined that phrase? You can't trust them to tell the truth. They're always so... Dramatic. My former food provider was a playwright, and I was very loyal to him. He said I was his muse. Were you his muse when he wrote, Hang off, thou cat, thou burr, thou vile thing? No, but I agree with this line. A pox o' your throat, you bawling, blasphemous, incharitable dog. Prish that! Grimalkin, if you have a tale to tell, then get on with it. I'm getting weary of having visitors. Fine. I have another story about curiosity, since we're on the subject. We begin with a man checking into a hotel. Good afternoon, sir. How can I help you? Good afternoon. I would like to see if you have a room available. Of course, sir. How long would you like to stay with us? Uh, three nights, please. Yes, sir. Let me see what I have open. What brings you to our fine town? I'm here on business. A bit urgent, or I would have been able to make a reservation. We are happy to have you, sir. Now... I see that we do have a room available for three nights. Have you stayed with us before? No. Actually, this is my first visit to this area. Yes, well, the room we have available is next to a room that is out of commission at the moment. Will that be a problem? Not at all. Some guests have found it to be a bit... odd. I won't be spending much time in my room. I don't think I'll mind. Very well, sir. I'll prepare the necessary forms. Charles was too tired from his travels to find the receptionist's behavior strange. But when he arrived at his room, he noticed that the door next to his was, indeed, very odd. It no longer had a room number, and the door appeared to be much older than his own. His door was opened with an electronic keycard, but the other door had an ornate older handle with a large keyhole. While it had been painted to match his own, 
Charles could tell that the door was made of old-fashioned wood compared to his metal one. It was like a piece of the past, a holdout as the hotel had been upgraded around it. He shrugged and entered his room, ready for a hot shower and some sleep. The next morning, Charles was about to pass the old door on his way to breakfast when he stopped. He examined the wood doorknob, wondering if the room had been left alone inside as well. What would it look like? He guessed that locks like this hadn't been used in over 50 years, and he wondered what a hotel room might have contained that long ago. He quickly looked both ways in the hallway to confirm that he was alone, then crouched down and looked through the large keyhole. As his eyes adjusted, he was able to see that the room had been kept intact. The wallpaper and corner of the bedspread that were in his view were definitely from the 1960s, and he smiled as memories of his grandmother's house flooded his thoughts. He crouched down to get a better view and immediately froze, realizing that as he shifted his gaze, he could now clearly see a woman sitting on the bed. She had her back to him and appeared to be gazing out her own window. She had long black hair and was wearing a flowing white nightgown. Charles stepped back as quietly as he could and quickly walked down the hallway. He was embarrassed that he had been snooping and was relieved that no one had caught him. He put the incident out of his mind until the end of the day, when he was returning to his room after dark. He felt his stomach churn as he got close to the room, hot guilt spreading throughout his body. He was convinced that as soon as he got there, the woman would be standing outside with her arms crossed, ready to tell everyone that he was a no-good peeping Tom. He breathed a sigh of relief when everything was normal, slipping into his room and quickly closing it behind him. He didn't sleep well that night, fitfully tossing and turning as he thought about the woman next door. The receptionist had told him the room was out of commission, but he had clearly seen a woman sitting in there. Why was that room so different from the rest? Did the woman live there? Maybe that was why the room wasn't available. Had he been spying on a beloved resident of the hotel? The next morning, Charles was beginning to question what he had seen. Why wouldn't the receptionist have just told him that someone lived next door? Why hadn't he heard any sound coming from that room? As he showered and dressed for the day, the questions kept coming. He eyed the door as he entered the hallway unable to push the idea of looking through the keyhole from his mind. He glanced up and down the hallway, then once again crouched in front of the door. He quickly pressed his face against the door, squinting one eye as he looked through with the other. All he could see was the color red. He blinked a few times, wondering if his eye needed to adjust, but still, red was all he could see. He stood up and walked quickly toward the elevator, trying to make sense of it. As he was riding down, he realized that the woman staying there must have hung a red piece of fabric over the doorknob to block the keyhole. That meant that she knew he had spied on her. He was distracted through his meetings all day, wondering what she must have thought of him. When he returned to his hotel that evening... 
He had made up his mind to come clean to the receptionist so that he could apologize to the woman. He nervously approached the desk. Good evening, sir. How are you enjoying your stay? Just fine, thank you. But I'm afraid I I need to apologize to another guest here. Oh? Well, you see, uh, about that room next door, it it was just so different from the others. I I got curious. Ah, I see. Let me guess. You looked through the keyhole? Why, yes. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but... It's all right, sir. You're not the first. So, the woman's staying there. You saw her? Yes. Well, I mean, through the keyhole. I can tell you there's no one checked into that room. What do you mean? The history of that room is complicated. You see, in 1972, a man killed his wife in that room. After that, the hotel had complaints from guests staying there, so it was locked and put out of commission. What kind of complaints? Guests said that the lights would turn on and off, that the room always felt cold, and that items would go missing. Like the room was haunted? If you believe in that sort of thing... But I saw someone in there. I saw a woman sitting on the bed. Other guests have said the same thing. As I said, you're not the first to get curious and look through the keyhole. Guests say that she has long, dark hair. Yes, that's what I saw. And she was wearing a white nightgown. That's also what others have said. Did you see her eyes? No. She was turned away from me. Well, I don't know if I believe it because I haven't seen it myself. But other guests have said that her eyes are terrifying to behold. Why? Because her eyes are bright red. So when he looked through the door the second time, he was looking directly into her eye? It would seem so, if you believe in that kind of thing. Oh, I definitely do. Do you think he stayed there for his last night? I would have left my stuff and noped on out of there. Same here. But if he had simply resisted the urge to look through the keyhole, he never would have known anything was strange. He would have just gone about his visit. Or maybe she would have come through the wall and slaughtered him! Not all ghosts are malicious. Most are just confused and stuck. Wait, ghosts are real? You don't think so? I don't know. It just seems so hard to believe. You realize you're talking to a dog and a cat, right? Oh, that's true. (gasps) Would you have looked through the keyhole? Oh, a hundred percent. Immediately. I wouldn't have. You know the story now, though. You might have looked if you didn't know you were going to bump eyeballs with a ghost. Oh, jeez, Naomi. Bump eyeballs with a ghost is the worst thing I've ever heard. Rosa, do you know if ghosts are real? I know about all things, real or imagined. 
Is that the question you want answered? No! Shh, 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 stop asking her questions. You're going to waste our favor. Sorry, jeez. I think it's time to say goodbye, children. You don't want to be in the forest after dark. Thanks for the stories. And the tea. Until next time, children. Let me know if you want help cheating on your history test. Don't do it. She slept through every important event since... Well... Ever. I have not. Even when I'm sleeping, I'm very aware of my surroundings. Jeez, those two really do fight like cats and dogs. I just keep thinking about how much that lady can eat. I don't understand it. She's so skinny you can see her bones. I can't believe how old Grimalkin and Barnaby are. Do you really believe them? Why would they lie? Because they can. They're already talking animals. It's not much more of a stretch to think that they're really, really old, too. Exactly. What do you think, Naomi? Huh? Did you hear what we said? Sorry, no. I was thinking. About what? Well, if Barnaby and Grimalkin really are over 400 years old, and they've only been alive that long because of Rosa... That means Rosa's even older. That's not possible. I mean, she is a witch, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty sure. Sometimes I wonder if it's smart of us to keep coming back. What? We have to. Yeah, I really like Grimalkin and Barnaby. Yeah, and I like their stories. Me too. I'm just wondering, what do they get out of it? Rosa doesn't seem to particularly like having us there. I think she does, in her own way. Oh, okay, but what does a witch who's hundreds of years old want with some kids? Yeah, that does seem weird. I'm not saying we have to stop visiting. I'm just saying, let's be careful, okay? Well, right now, she still owes us a favor. So if something weird does happen, we can always use that to get out of it. Of course, once we do... I'm kind of scared to use our favor. Why? Well, I know that she said we earned it, but everything I've ever watched or read gets tricky when it comes to magical favors. There's always a cost. Maybe we shouldn't use it until we know more about her. Don't worry, I'm working on that part. I'm going to figure out who she is and what she's doing here, no matter what I have to do to find out. Thank you for listening to the Witch in the Woods podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on social media at the Witch in the Woods Pod. The Witch in the Woods Podcast is a zombie burrito production. It was created, written, and executive produced by Becky McLaughlin. Season one was directed by Michael Ackerman and stars Maddox Butler, Riley Meehan, Kryn McLaughlin, Astoria McLaughlin, Becky McLaughlin, John Furr, Caitlin Stafford, and Emily Emerson. The Black Ribbon Necklace was directed by Becky McLaughlin and Janelle Fuller and features the voice talents of Michael Ackerman as Danny and Sarah Butner as Camille. Sound design and editing by Becky McLaughlin with sounds from zapsplat.com. The Keyhole was directed and audio designed by Laura Iani and edited by Becky McLaughlin. It features the voice talents of Janice Lovett as the receptionist and Ben Hill as Charles, with original music titled Cryptic Sorrow by Kevin McLeod. The theme music for Season 1 was created by Ken Ashford, based on the composition Danse Macabre by Camille Saint-Saëns. 
Thank you for listening, and a huge shout out to our first Patreon subscribers, Billy and Lynn Hill. We are so grateful for your support.